From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Um, I will tell you, um, there is a lot to be excited about. And, and I think if that garners, that confidence garners, I think you can end up to have a really, really, really interesting second half of this year and maybe even a just a complete jolt of lightning in 2021. Um, it's really interesting to see, but uh, there's a lot of variables. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. It's a very special day. The LPL Research Mid-Year Outlook. Burt White is here and Jeff Bookbinder is here along with myself. We're going to discuss where we see things headed the second half of 2020. So, Bert, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, last week, Jeff and I kind of talked about some things that we learned the first half of this year. And the one we, we agreed on it. We both said the idea that some of the previous leaders, even though they've been leading for a while, can continue to lead. Specifically, technology and growth is one of the takeaways. I mean, you know, a couple of minutes to kick off the show. What have you learned <laughs> during 2020, the year that it's been so far? Yeah, maybe, well, maybe I'd say two things. Number one is uh, I would I would certainly agree with the aspect of leadership. I, I mean, the reality is, if we've learned anything from this COVID-related event, it was that it accelerated trends that were already in place. And so those leaders, like technology, that were leading prior, um, this just does nothing more than accelerate the same trends. It didn't divert to a new trend. Um, it actually accelerated the existing trends and and maybe even deepened them. Um, and maybe even elongated them and made it so that those leaders could lead longer. I think the second thing, Ryan, and you and I have talked about this before, is that a long time ago, someone told me that, that over the, we are more fragile over the short run than we can ever want to think, but we're more, we're more resilient over the long run than we can ever imagine. You know, you get a flat tire or you got leaky roof on your new car, I thought. Uh, you know, it, right. it'll make your entire life come to a screeching halt. And the reality is we are so fragile over the short run. And, and I think that was the case here. I mean, you, you begin to go through this, the fragility of these things, not just for the economy, but for our lives, you know, ends up to be um, so overstated. But we miss the fact that we are just so darn resilient over the long run that we underestimate that. And I think that's what you've seen here um, over the last quarter or so. Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about it before. First quarter, stocks down 20%. Worst first quarter ever for the S&P 500. Second quarter bounces back 20%. Best second quarter since 1938. I think it comes to mind that Jack Bogle quote. I know I've used it before, but I think this sums up 2020 better than any quote. Jack said, I spend half my time wondering why I have so much in stocks and the other half wondering why I have so little in stocks. And isn't that the truth? I mean, Jeff, uh, you know, any other takeaways on the first uh, first six months, what you've learned or what maybe you relearned, and then we'll kind of dive right in. Yeah, well, I think you, you touched on one, Ryan. I mean, well, first, remarkable comeback in the S&P 500, right? We're going to talk about that here in a bit. Ending the first half only down 4% after being down more than 30. So a tremendous comeback as the economy reopened. But also... You know, bonds had a really strong first half. So balanced right. investors did even better uh, than down four. Your typical balanced investor uh, investing like the benchmarks was up. And uh, that, I think, is something that uh, maybe should get a little more attention. Uh, good points there. So, guys, let's start with the economy. The economy. So, Bert, I'll go to you in a second here. Um, you know, we're on, we're on record of saying this very well could be one of the shortest recessions we've ever seen. 
I mean, we might be out of the recession right now when you consider some of the jobs growth and some of the bounce back we've seen in manufacturing. Um, but the reality is, again, it was also one of the most vicious recessions uh, that we've ever seen. I mean, millions and millions of people have lost their jobs. You know, Bert, we think the recovery is underway, but you made an interesting comment before, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago where you compared it to building a house. This economic recovery is like building a house. Can you dive a little bit more into what you mean by that? Because I think it's a really important um, concept. Well, you know, for anyone that's built a house, um, I, I will tell you the first bit goes so fast that you look at it and you think, wait a minute, the walls went up, the floor went in, the roof is on, it's only three weeks in, I'm, I'm going to move in next week. Um, and then like, Nine months later, you know, you're still fighting over the crown molding. Um, and, and so the reality is, I think that's a little bit about how some of these recoveries happen, particularly this one, where I think two things are, are going to be, uh, maybe three things that we should highlight. Number one is, you know, when you, you hit a tree like we did, you, you know, getting the car right back on the road a little bit, it's, it's like, oh, it's running again, and it's kind of moving. That's the first bit of it. But then you begin to realize, gosh, there's some damage to it. It's going to take a while to get it fully revved up. Um, and, and so there's a there's a bit of that. And I think in the house metaphor line, it's just it's the, the foundation and the and the and the basic part of the building of the house. That might happen quickly. Um, but then the last bits of this, the last parts of the of the economy is going to be tough. Um, and, and and another part of that that kind of adds into that is the fact that. You know, there is almost a restrictor that's going to prevent it from getting back to where it is. And that's all the needing of socially distant. There's a lot of businesses out there. Think of restaurants and, and many others that, that, um, that basically can't get back to 100%. It's impossible to get back to 100% if you can only have 50% occupancy in your restaurant. And so the reality is there are these restrictors that are going to make the next part of that growth slower just not to mention the fact that when you have this deep of a cut um, that's happened because of this, it's going to be hard to sort of keep the pace that we've done. And so I think that, that you put a bow on it, Ryan. I think that, that we describe it in the outlook as a swoosh-shaped recovery, where you end up seeing this really big decline, and then you see a really you know, sharp recovery. And we've been seeing that here lately. But don't be surprised if that pace of the recovery slows a bit. And so therefore, it's not quite that sort of V-shape that maybe we've had the first bit of this, but rather it sort of elongates out. And the next wave of this recovery and growth might be a little slower, a little bit longer, and probably a little bit more volatile um, than what we uh, might have experienced here over the last uh, three weeks or so, or three months. Uh, ex exactly. I mean, you think about it again, just a couple of months ago, when we were doing this podcast, we consistently noted lo lowest ever, largest drop ever, whatever the, the economic data piece was, we were seeing some of the worst data pieces, data sets we've ever seen in history. So it's a good thing. Data is coming up. I mean, I, I mentioned last week, just the incredible surge globally in manufacturing, even Brazil's manufacturing is having one of the best bounce backs out of anywhere in the world. And they've obviously been really hit by COVID-19. The catch to that is they were they virtually shut down their whole their whole country almost you know a couple months ago so it's coming off very low levels but still in the right direction. I mean Jeff, let's turn let's get to you for a second. We see GDP down between three and five percent uh, this year. Um, you know, and globally we see the idea that emerging markets might do a little better, but we're still not too warm and fuzzy over Europe. Can you give us kind of a big picture view on the global economy here? Sure, Ryan. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, it's a tough economy for everybody, uh, certainly. Uh, no one's immune, but China certainly contained the virus uh, better than the rest of the world in general. And therefore, you know, that being a big piece of emerging markets, we could see a little bit of growth this year in emerging markets. Beyond that, uh, we're going to see pretty big contractions. Now, as you mentioned, this recession might already be over. Uh, you know, these numbers aren't good, down three to 5% potentially in US GDP, probably a few percentage points worse in Europe. Maybe Japan looks a little bit more uh, like the US. They've done more stimulus than just about anybody on, on the planet. So Japan may hold up um, a, a little bit better. But generally speaking, um, it's probably still a global recession. Uh, the second half story will certainly be coming out of recession for really the entire world, except possibly the exception of, of China. So far, recovery off to a good start globally. But as Bert alluded to, it, it's you know that, that low-hanging fruit's easy. But um, once we get to the next phase, it's going to take some time. Uh, absolutely. So, guys, let's maybe let's go forward in our uh, mid-year outlook. And again, you can read that on LPL.com um, in all likelihood by the time you listen to this podcast. Let's go take a look at Burt stocks. Um, we had a huge rally. Now, we just you just talked a lot about the recovery where it might be tougher to get the uh, easy, the easy gains could be had. Do you think it's kind of that way with at least let's focus on U.S. stocks right now? Is that similar, you think, the second half of this year? Yes. You know, Ryan, we've, we've talked a, a bit about the, the, the big recovery that's happened, and, and we certainly have, have, have benefited from that here in the second quarter. And like you said, the, the second most or the most since 1938 or whatever the case may be, I mean, if you got to go back to that far, right. then uh, good golly, uh, that's, quite a, that's quite a quarter. Um, but likely you've got a lot of the, the, the big parts of the rebounds in stocks that have taken place. And, and now I think um, the market's really got to think through what is its confidence around the slope and shape and, um, and, and sort of trajectory of this recovery. In other words, is this is going to be a really elongated swoosh or is this going to be a little bit quicker swoosh? And I think a lot of that's going to be on uh, how earnings come through, how quickly Americans get back online. Will we see a second wave? Are we going to continue to see uh, sort of uh, hopefully um, continued declines and in, in, in cases and so forth in the second half, all those things are there. And, and I just think my favorite slide in the whole, the whole, my favorite chart in the whole gosh darn outlook um, is the one around uh, the recoveries can take years. And what it shows you is how long the duration of sort of bear market uh, durations were in months. And, you know, and on average, they're in the sort of, you know, 15, 17 range. But then sort of the, the recoveries, and those have been all over the place. And, and I guess the real question on this one is how, how much or how long will that be? And could it be really quickly or could it be a little bit longer? And I think we're going to sort of play that one out as we go. Uh, but, Ryan, I think there's, there's, there's little doubt that the element of sort of the upside, um, the next few quarters aren't going to look like the last quarter. Um, and the one thing that I would just sort of say is that the market's confidence of a, of a fast recovery is, is, is optimistic right now. You know, and I think fixating on these recent highs is just as, you know, we got to, it requires as much caution as being overly fixated on the extreme fear that we saw three months ago. And I think that, that while we are uh, believing that, that the market's going to see higher levels than we are today, um, the market is unlikely to get away from us to the upside, just given the amount of damage um, 
that, that the overall uh, recession has caused and, and just how much further uh, we've already come um, in this recovery. Uh, good points there. I mean, you think about it, literally, as we're recording this, right? I mean, you've got the NASDAQ flirting with all-time highs, yet technology's really been leading as we started the, the conversation. But the average stock is definitely not near all-time highs, and most other indices are not near all-time highs. In fact, the market's consolidated over the past month and a half. If you look at the S&P 500, it's really just that small pocket that's doing uh, doing very well. You know, you think about it, though, so we just had a 20% gain for the quarter in the second quarter. And when I took a look back to World War II, that next quarter was higher actually every single time, eight out of eight times. Two quarters later, higher every single time, eight out of eight times. Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. There's a lot of other factors to be aware of. But this much strength that we have seen um, you know, is more of a hallmark of almost a beginning of a bull market. I know that sounds strange when you see all of the, um, the very negative headlines, but we, when we see this much strength, it probably does suggest stocks will go higher and any potential pullbacks very well could be a, a potential buying opportunity. But like we said, there's, this year is unlike any other year with uh, all the uncertainty due to the COVID-19 that's out there. Jeff, let's talk about earnings. I mean, earnings drive long-term stock gains. You talk about PE multiples. We know what the P is. That's the price. The E, it feels like this is about as uncertain an E as we've ever had. Am I right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, virtually the your entire second half outlook is clouded in uncertainty, whether you're talking about earnings or anything else. Uh, but so, you know, we could get a really strong rebound in earnings, certainly uh, in, in 2021. But, uh, you know, the very near term is certainly, um, you know, tough to predict. <clears throat> we still think we'll, we'll get maybe, um, you know, the, the same kind of bounce we're probably going to get in GDP in the second half coming off of some you know, easier comparisons. But, uh, you know, to get back to 2019 levels is probably going to take a couple of years in S&P 500 earnings. And that's why we're, we're valuing stocks based on a normalized earnings number, right? What's normal these days? It's hard. To, <laughs> nothing's normal these days. But if, if we ever do get fully back online here, we will. When we do, uh, we think the S&P 500 has $165 per share of earnings power. And then you can certainly justify higher stock prices than where we are now based on a reasonable multiple uh, off of those earnings under 20. Got it. So you can't talk about stocks without talking about bonds. Let's go take a look at the fixed income market and rates here. You know, our base case is that the 10-year yield will be at the end of the year somewhere between 1% and 1.5%, which is obviously higher than right now. And that, you look at the Barclays Ag, that might lead to potentially flat bond uh, returns the rest of this year. Now, again, we think stocks will probably beat bonds by a little bit the second half of this year. Bert, my question to you is, you know, people have been talking about higher yields for a while. Um, including we have been, and obviously a lot of people have been surprised to the continued downside move in uh, yields globally. What's it going to take, you think, to finally get yields to truly move higher, maybe even get up to the 150, which is the high end of our range, but to get the tenure that high, what will it take? Well, Ryan, I, it, there's a line in the, in the outlook, which uh, I think is really good. I'll read it real quick. It says, our year-end base okay. case forecast for the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield is one to one and a half, which is what you just said. I love this next piece which would be the lowest level to end a year on record. Uh, just to put right. that in perspective, we're not even halfway there to that. Like we're, we're there, we got a long way to go. You get the one to one and a half. 
And even yeah. if we get there, you know, that would be the lowest on record, which is pretty amazing. The, the reality is if you look forward and think about what is it going to take to move yields higher? Look, the, the reality is um, it is likely going to end up being inflation. There was expected, there was this element of expected inflation, and that is what the Fed has been talking about, is what the market has looked for. It has been expecting inflation forever. And it has fooled everybody, including the Fed, which uh, raised rates quite a bit on the premise of expected inflation, never got it. And I believe we're going to start talking about actual inflation. We're not going to talk about what, you know, inflation expectations was. Uh, Ryan, you and I have been doing this for, you know, decades. Bookie, we've been doing this for decades. We always talk about inflation expectations. No one cares because, frankly, it's fooled us for decades. It's now about actual inflation. Will we start to see actual inflation? And it's hard to see that right now. Uh, But I will say there's a lot of things that have been put in place, a lot of catalysts that have been put in place. Um, that certainly could unlock that. And I think that is really what's to be looking for, not in 2020, but really to be looking for in 2021 and into 22, on whether or not you begin to see some elements of actual inflation, not inflation expectations, which is frankly fool's gold. Yeah. Speaking of gold, I was going to mention this. You know, as we're doing this, gold's making nine-year highs. If you look at TIPS, so that's uh, inflation-protected instruments on the um, fixed income side of things, treasuries, those are also at all-time highs. So there are some some market signals, this is the name of our podcast, that are saying maybe there could be a little bit more inflation uh, down the road. Also, I'm a big fan of looking at industrial metals, things like copper, steel, nickel, aluminum. Those have been soaring over the past month. And the logical explanation is China's coming back online. China buys more copper than anybody. But at the same time, if you overlay copper with the 10-year yield, sometimes it's as simple as if copper is going higher, you do get an upward bias to the 10-year yield. So Jeff, let's say the 10-year yield does go a little bit higher the second half of this year, and LPL Research is saying flat bond returns. Where should someone invest then uh, their fixed income portfolio for the second half of this year if, if yields indeed do trickle a little bit higher? Yeah, in a rising rate environment, you want to have a little less interest rate sensitivity than the broad bond market benchmark. So uh, certainly um, mortgage-backed securities are one way uh, to do that, an area of the bond market that we continue to like. Uh, But we also think as the economic recovery continues, that investment-grade corporate bonds uh, will continue to do a little bit better than Treasury. Certainly Federal Reserve support has helped, and uh, certainly um, companies are managing this um, relatively well here. Uh, If you just look at spreads, corporate bonds relative to U.S. Treasuries, or you could look at high-yield bonds relative to U.S. Treasuries, they're clearly sending a positive signal. Uh, Good points there. Uh, Guys, let's go to the fourth part to our mid-year outlook, the election. It feels odd to say it is an election year, you know, with all of the COVID and the recession and the the recovery, the huge recovery. Uh, I think as we get closer to the election, we're going to talk a lot more about it. I I came into this year, and one of the more amazing stats in my head uh, as I thought about 2020 was the fact that when you have a president up for re-election, the stock market's been higher every single year since 1940. Okay, we have a split Congress, a divided Washington. Sure enough, the last 10 years we've had a split Congress, going back to the early 80s, stocks have been higher. And then you sprinkle on the fact stocks were up 30% last year. Normally, the next year is higher when you have a big up year. You factor all those things in, and, and it said maybe this was an incredible buying opportunity, which it looks like it was. Um, but, Bert, back to the election. What should investors be on the lookout? Could it truly be uh, you know, a real volatile second half with the headlines of the election? Or are we just still going to focus on COVID and the reopening? Which one do you think matters more? Well, Ryan, I think 
you know, in, in the in the outlook, we went out and made our declaration of the winner of the election. We are uh, publicly endorsing Kanye West. Um, for the first time, I wonder where you're going to go with that. First time, uh, we are making a a, a public endorsement. Uh, just kidding. Uh, we don't do that. Um, no, I, you know, Ryan, I I, I think that um, as amazing as it sounds, the election is going to slowly begin to overtake COVID as we begin to get closer. But it's still going to be the COVID show, I believe. I, I think. You know, when you begin to think about families, they are becoming a lot more inward. You know, we are becoming more um, home focused, um, and that home focused is going to allow us to really think mostly around elements of my job. You know, how COVID's affecting that kid going back to school, and when and how is that going to work? And I think that's going to continue to be the focus of of how the second half looks like. But slowly, the election is going to begin to start to do that, particularly when you begin to put these at the macro level and the market. Um, and I think one of the things, Ryan, that you might want to talk about is just how, you know, in the outlook, we showcase that stocks have been a decent signal as to kind of what the election might look like, right? No, uh, exactly. You look back in market history, the stock market's been right 87% of the time. That's 20 out of 23 times. What does right mean? Well, if stocks are up three months before the election, the incumbent party tends to win. And if stocks are down three months before the election, the incumbent party tends to lose. It's worked every single time since 84. And even in 2016, when stocks sold off, most people thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. Obviously, she did not. So we haven't quite got to that barometer yet, but that clock is going to start soon. Now, Jeff, the economy also can give a little bit of a bearing. Uh, can it not to who might win this election? Absolutely, Ryan. Uh, when... We have a recession in the year or two before the election. That tends to dictate uh, the incumbent losing. So certainly, you know, that would uh, potentially point to a Biden victory. Um, that actually has worked. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think every year, essentially, uh, since um, 1924. Calvin 1924. Yeah, so that's going back a ways. You know, here again. You know, when you talk about things that haven't happened in 100 years, that's a pretty long track record. Uh, even though, of course, we're only talking about an election every four years. But uh, yeah, the economy is certainly a hurdle for President Trump to overcome here. Uh, but uh, coming off of a potential really strong rebound in, in GDP in the third quarter and potentially further improvements in the job market, we've added something like 8 million jobs here in just the last couple of months. Uh, potentially, there'll be some momentum that uh, could signal a, a close race, if not a Trump victory. Yeah, they say the four most dangerous words this time is different, but this time really is different. We had a recession, but when we go vote in November, our economy very well could continue to be uh, much stronger and, and improving like it was in 1924 during the roaring 20s, even though there was a recession a couple months before. So guys, we've got a couple more minutes to go. We're actually going to take a little bit different look here and kind of say, where are we wrong? I think as you know, stewards of assets for our clients, we like to think, you know, where are we right, but where could we potentially be wrong? So we're going to, have to answer that question in a second. But before we do, I just want to thank, you know, Bert helped write the outlook. Jeff helped write the outlook. I helped write the outlook. Barry Gilbert on our team helped write the outlook. Uh, it's a true, I don't even know how many hours, hundreds of hours to do this. But at the end of the day, without our creative design and marketing team who put it together and just make it look and feel alive, it's really awesome what they do. So definitely a shout out to all of them. And please, everybody, when you listen to our podcast, go to LPL.com, check out the outlook. Um, let us know what you think. You know, I mean, we, we love the feedback for the podcast that we continually get. By the way, 
Should have mentioned this at the beginning. We just kicked off season four. This is a the first episode to the fourth season of our Market Signals podcast, and we are nearing a quarter of a million listens on uh, devices. So thank you so much for the continued listenership there. But at the end of the day, it's a true... Uh, Takes, it takes a village, and this uh, outlook, we're really, really proud of it this year, and it was truly a collaborative um, event. So, Bert, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, we've only got a couple minutes, so where do you think we might be wrong the second half of this year? Well, you know, I would, I would tell you in, in, my, in, in my career, and I've been doing this for 30-plus years, um, I think this is as hard a uh, direction or um, precision and the confidence level to sort of think about trying to make predictions as to what the next six months might right. look like. I would say the big thing for me is levels versus direction. I do believe that we feel pretty confident. We have high levels of confidence around the direction. We think the direction of rates is to start to move higher. We think the direction of the market is volatile, but higher. We think the direction of the economy is upward sloping. I think the real question is around levels. And I think that's the part that, that I think that we might get, um, that you can see the biggest chance of being wrong. Good stuff. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, so I'm an equity strategist. So I like to you know, focus on what parts of the equity markets are working or, or not working. So I think you know, an area where we could potentially be wrong is we like growth stocks. Mm-hmm. And they've had a tremendous run. We talked about it a little bit up front with the technology run. That leadership continues. Value is so cheap. It basically hasn't worked in a decade. When, when economies accelerate, value tends to work. So given we're stretched like a rubber band, there is the potential that we get a snapback in value and value leadership in the second half. That's not our base case, but that is certainly something uh, where I could see us potentially being wrong. Yeah, I mean, obviously, late June, um, I'm sorry, late May and early June, we did see that for a couple weeks, but just as quickly, the growth uh, train kept going. You know, Abraham Lincoln said that he had no trouble keeping secrets. It was the people he told that had trouble keeping the secret. Here's Here's the secret that I see. There is a lot of market breadth that's going higher. What do I mean by that? New all-time highs on the advanced decline line on the NASDAQ, NASDAQ 100, NYSE, NYSE stocks only. What I'm getting at is there's a lot of participation. Where I think we might be wrong, and maybe because I'm an equity guy, you know, I think stocks potentially could be significantly higher six months from now, a year from now. Um, that's, again, not our base case. But when I see all the breadth and things that are happening, that's uh, something that kind of makes me um, you know, wonder a little bit. But again, for the most part, we, we are we do think the trend is higher. So if that happens, I think that'd be a, a pleasant surprise. But that's one thing that um, has me, and I, I'm on here every week on Market Signals, noting some of these, this has only happened XYZ amount of times, and look at the future returns that historically are strong. Yes, this time is is um, you know much more unique, but that's one thing that's got me. So Bert, let's let you finish things off. The mid-year outlook is here. The second half of 2020 is here. Uh, send us home on the very first episode of our fourth season of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Uh, bye. No, I, you know, look, I, I will tell you, um, I am so thankful. Uh, I, I, I look back at, at what's happened really year to date. Uh, this has been the craziest six months of, of my career. And, and maybe as a parent and, and at home, I'm sure a lot of other people feel about that. Ryan, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think there is a really, There is a base case that we are underestimating the resilience of this country, of the resilience of small business owners, the resilience of consumers, the resilience of parents and Americans in general. And 
um, I will tell you, um, there is a lot to be excited about. And, and I think if that garners, that confidence garners, I think you can end up to have a really, really, really interesting second half of this year and maybe even a just a complete jolt of lightning in 2021. Um, it's really interesting to see, but uh, there's a lot of variables. So uh, hang in there. Happy summer. Um, and let's, uh, let's, let's hope that maybe we could loosen the, the, the seatbelt just a little bit and a little bit less turbulence here in the second half. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Opel Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.